Welcome to Sunday Evening Worship. We are so glad you and your family are able to join us here. It's already Sunday, May 3rd, the first Sunday night here in the month of May. Can you believe it's already May? Time is flying by, literally. Uh, we have been, gosh, what, almost two, two whole months in uh, social distancing and having online church. So hopefully it won't be long, but we'll be able uh, to have regular church again. I know some folks here are starting to get anxious. The weather's starting to warm up and folks are ready to, to, to get out. But we are. We're so glad this evening you're, you and your family are able to join us. Um, go ahead. I'm about to tell a story here, but go ahead and grab your Bible and turn to the, uh, the book of Acts, the New Testament book of Acts. I want to tell you what we're going to read tonight is very important because I believe it ties in with um, times such as these times such as these uh, amidst a so amidst a pandemic amidst social distancing amidst a lot of upheaval of uncertainty in the in the world and as well as certainly here in the US but I want to tell you what happened in the 1950s if we could rewind to the 1950s that's a hundred and seventy years ago this is even before the Civil War 170 years ago, something happened. The 1950s, a series of horrible events occurred. In the 1950s, there was land speculation, because that's when folks are, you know, keep pushing out west. So we get to 1849ers. Uh, folks are going, um, go, going out west, and that led to a stock market crash. Uh, there was a bank run. The people were uh, just demanding their money, so the New York banking system collapsed. That then led to the Boston banking system. It collapsed. And one president of an old college up in, um, I believe it's in Massachusetts, Amherst College, said, his name is Heman Humphrey. He said, men went to bed dreaming all night of their hoarded treasures. And they woke up bankrupt just like that overnight. All of a sudden, you lost everything. But something happened in the 1850s. In New York City, there was a, a businessman, a, a prominent businessman named Jeremiah Lamphere. Jeremiah Lamphere, he was a godly man, and he started having, on his lunch break, he started inviting other businessmen there in New York City, to start meeting him around 12, 12.30 and start spending time in prayer. There was just a lot of uncertainty. No one, no, nothing was stable. A uh, civil war was on the horizon. A lot of financial problems uh, were, were going on. Uh, economic problems. And he started, he started inviting all other businessmen to join him for prayer. Well, this prayer meeting... It started to grow. In fact, it grew to 10,000 men. Now, if we gathered up business people here in Lexington and said, we're going to have a, a prayer meeting from, say, 12.15 to 1.15, and all the men are invited to come to it, you wonder if 10,000 folks would come. And I want to tell you, they prayed. It wasn't... It wasn't just a luncheon, or it wasn't a luncheon, it wasn't a Bible study. It was an intense time of prayer. Because you're crying out to God 
There's all this uncertainty. You're crying and asking God to move. Asking God to heal our city, to heal our nation. Have you been spending time in prayer? Have you had cottage prayer meetings? Have you been diligent in, in, in really in, in intense in your prayer life? So this is what Jeremiah Lamfer started doing. I don't want to tell you what happened. Revival started breaking out. Revival started breaking out there in churches. Revivalists started going around preaching uh, in the 1850s. But it even reached a little town called Charlottesville, Virginia. And in Charlottesville, Virginia in the 1850s, there was a little Baptist church there. And a revivalist came through. They had an evening worship service. Do you know back in the good old days, they would have revival. You would have a spring and a fall revival. And it would be two weeks. And every night, you would have revival services. Maybe except Saturday night or Sunday night. You, you, you'd, you'd have one day off. be like Sunday through Friday, something like that. You have guest preacher would come in and... He'd hold these nightly services. During the daytime, the pastor and deacons would go out with the guest preacher and visit folks in the community and invite them to the service that night. Guest preacher would actually go and speak in the local schools because there would be a visitor in town. And revivalists were always great speakers, great communicators, and they'd, he'd always share the gospel to the local schools and invite the children to get saved as well as invite their parents to come that night and get saved, give their lives to Jesus. But that little Baptist church there in Charlottesville, Virginia, there was a young woman there who she was lost. And she got saved that night at that revival service because the revivals were sweeping the land. She gave her life to Christ. Then God, God called her to the mission field she went to China, and she led hundreds of Chinese people to faith in Jesus Christ. And then that young woman passed away in the harbor of Kobe, Japan, coming back to the United States. And she had very little, nothing. And then from her, Southern Baptists named their Christmas offering after her, called the Lottie Moon Christmas Offering. And over a billion dollars has been given to that offering. And I share that story because Lottie Moon was saved at that revival service in those 1850 revivals that broke out there in Charlottesville, Virginia, that eventually can be traced back to the prayer meeting from that businessman, Jeremiah Lamphere, that just started sweeping across America. And I think our prayer should be for us here at our church and for our, our state, for our city and our nation and for the world, that God uses this coronavirus, this COVID-19 season of quarantine, that a great revival breaks out. You know, whenever we start meeting again, how exciting would it be that those have gotten saved online? Maybe you're tuning in, you're watching this, and you need to give your life to Christ. You might not be able to have a revival service tonight, but you can get saved Wherever you're at. That evangelist that was preaching in Charlottesville, Virginia, is preaching the same book 
we're about to uh, read from tonight, the book of Acts. He's preaching from the 66 books of the Bible. The word of God is alive. It speaks truth into our lives. And when we trust the Lord, when we put our faith in this book, God brings revival. All right, I want you to uh, I want you to look here. Book of Acts. But before we read the book of Acts, I want to give you some background information. We've got a map here of Paul's third missionary journey. If you're, jo- if you're just joining us, we are preaching through, going through the, the Acts of the Apostles. This is at the third missionary journey. And what's going to happen, this is current day Turkey right here. Here's a little city here on the Aegean Sea called Ephesus. Ephesus is where we're going to be at here in Acts chapter 19. Ephesus is where something happened. Something broke out that affects even us today. Ephesus is where the book of Ephesians comes from. Ephesus is where Timothy stayed a long time along with Paul. And Timothy pastored the church there. Ephesus is also a place that has one of the seven ancient wonders of the world. And that's the Temple of Artemis. And we're going to look at the pictures here later. Not now, but in a little bit we'll take a look. But go ahead and turn your Bibles. Acts chapter 19, verse 21. Paul is here in Ephesus. But his goal is to go to Rome. He wanted to go to Rome, Italy and preach the gospel. Rome was kind of the capital of the world at that time. Had a lot of influence. Paul was a Roman citizen, as well as he was a believer. He had a dual citizenship. But knowing that, his goal was to go to Rome and preach the gospel. So look here, verse 21. After these events, these events here are at Ephesus. Remember, if you remember from last Sunday night, there was a, a demon that seven sons of Scevia realized there were power in Jesus' name. So he wanted to go and try to cast out a demon in someone. And the demon did not recognize this guy, seven sons of Scevia. And the demon attacked him. And he ran away with no clothes on. And then what happened is those that were practicing witchcraft and magic, they burned their magic books. They burned and destroyed their, their stuff. So what happens at this point, Paul now is seeing the Holy Spirit start to move. And folks in Ephesus are getting saved. Well, that causes a problem. Because whenever you mess with someone's economic, whenever you mess with their money, whenever you mess with their livelihood, they are going to be impacted. So let's read this here. Ephesians, or I mean, I'm sorry, we're in Ephesians, or we're in, we're in Ephesus, Acts chapter 19, verse 21. After these events, Paul, resolved by the Spirit to pass through Macedonia and Achaia. Now, where are those places at? Paul's in Asia. That's where, Ephes- that's where Turkey's at. But he wanted to go back to where Greece is. That's where Macedonia, that's where Achaia, southern Greece that's where the place of Athens, Corinth, all those cities that he had gone through earlier, 
he wanted to go back to those cities because he had started churches there, Philippi. And he wanted to go check on those churches and continue preaching the gospel and encourage what they're doing, their work. And he says, he wants to go through Macedonia and Achaia and then go to Jerusalem. After I've been there, he said, it's necessary for me to see Rome as well. What's powerful about Paul is Paul's vision is focused on Rome. Jesus was focused on the cross. Both of these men, Paul and Jesus, had a narrow focus. Jesus is going to die on for you and I's our sins. Where's Paul going? He's going. Ultimately, he wants to go to where the true capital of everything is in Rome and even speak to the emperor. He is convinced he's going to influential cities, lost cities, and there's power in the gospel and these folks will believe. So that's where his sights are, are, set, are set for. After sending to Macedonia two of those who assisted him, Timothy and Erastus, he himself stayed in Asia for a while, meaning he was so convinced he was going to be going to Macedonia, northern Greece, he went ahead and sent Timothy and Erastus. Now he wasn't totally alone, but those were two of his main helpers. And he says, y'all, you go ahead and go there in a few weeks, a few months, I will catch up and will be faithful in spreading the good news. But something happens. There was a transition. Something uh, occurred while, after he sent those men away. A riot's about to break out. Always with Paul, it's always exciting. Something's going to happen. You know, also one of the reasons you say, Daniel, it's talked about Jerusalem there. Why, why did he want to go all, keep wanting to go to Jerusalem? What he was doing is Jerusalem was the capital of Judaism, but there was still there was a great presence with the Christian church. That's where the Holy Spirit initially came to here in Acts chapter 2. But they would collect offerings. Some of these Greek cities were very wealthy. So the Christians might be had a lot of wealth there. So when Paul would go to Jerusalem, he's bringing a, an offering to them. So he's coming and he's maybe bringing uh, a substantial financial gift to help the church in Jerusalem. And he knew how important Jerusalem was because this is, I mean, this is where Jesus died at. This is where the Holy Spirit in the upper room came to. This is where the resurrection occurred. Jerusalem's the capital of Judaism. So even though he's pushing the outer limits, the mission fields, and keep going and going with the gospel, he still kept wanting to go back to his roots in Jerusalem. It's kind of like you... Wherever you're from, you never really get away from. It's like whenever U2 does a tour, they always want to have one in Dublin, Ireland. Why in Dublin, Ireland? That's where they're from. They're from Dublin, Ireland. So they'll go all over the world, but they always throw in their hometown. So Jerusalem isn't Paul's hometown, but he was obviously connected to there because he was there and he wanted to go Remember, it was in Jerusalem that he left to go up to Damascus to kill the Christians. So he, he had been a disciple in Jerusalem, even though he was actually from Tarsus, which is in current day Turkey with that. So obviously, here we are. Uh, and it says something's about to happen. Verse 23. About that, about that time, there was a major disturbance about the way. I was in a church once, and they had a Sunday school class. Do you know the name of the Sunday school class? It was called The Way. 
Christians were actually called the way in the book of Acts. The way is the way of life. Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I am the way. If you want to get to God, how do you get there? You go through Jesus Christ. He is the way to salvation. Here in our city, there's lost and unchurched folks all around us. How are these folks saved? How do these folks know about the Lord? We point them to the way. Every time you come to church, every time you tune into one of these broadcasts, if you are, if you're attending another church and they do not preach the way, they're not preaching Jesus, you need to go to a church that does preach the way. You need to be at a church that's showing folks how to be saved. I was reading a news article from a secular newspaper, and they were griping about religions that taught that their way was the only way to heaven. It causes division. It causes problems. It's, it's too exclusive. Well, Jesus preached and taught an exclusive way to heaven. There are not multiple ways to heaven. Hindu, Buddhism, Islam, none of these other uh, uh, New Age religions, technology, none of this stuff gets us saved. How do folks get saved? The Bible says the way. So when people believed in the way, what they're believing in, they're believing in the gospel. They're believing in that Jesus is it. He is the exclusive way to heaven. So these folks here, something has broken out about Paul's teaching and about the Christians. Verse 24. For a person named Demetrius, a silversmith who made silver shrines of Artemis. And he provided a great deal of business for the craftsmen. So obviously, Demetrius was a businessman. And he recognized something's wrong with this new teaching. This is the capital of idol worship here in Ephesus. This is a sinful city. We love, it. We love Artemis. And here's this guy, Paul, who's coming along teaching that idol worship is not real worship. That's obviously, if you made silver, if you, if you were a craftsman, that would create a problem. And he goes on to say, verse 25, when he had assembled them as well as the workers engaged in this type of business, he said, men, you know that our prosperity is derived from this business. Meaning, if everybody turns away from Artemis and everyone quits worshiping idols, all of a sudden, we lose business. We can't permit and allow this teaching to continue. Verse 26. You see in here that not only in Ephesus, but in almost all of Asia, this man Paul has persuaded and misled a considerable number of people by saying that gods made by hand are not gods. And that is Paul's teaching. He's going around sharing that we, uh, 
these idols aren't even real. Verse 27. Not only do we run a risk that our business may be discredited, but also that the temple of the great goddess Artemis may be despised in her magnificence, come to the verge of ruin, the very one of all of Asia and the world that they worship. Now, I want to pause right here and we'll talk about, we're going to look a couple pictures and I'm going to share about something in our constitution. It's interesting here. Uh, churches uh, have, many Southern Baptist churches have something called a church covenant. And we have one as well. And a lot of times you go in the old-timey old churches, they'll have them mounted up on the side of the wall, maybe in the fellowship hall or on the back of the lobby or something like that. But um, what happened was this man, Demetrius, he recognized Paul preaching against idol worship is affecting what I'm selling. The silver I'm making and I'm molding together and these idols that I'm making to Artemis, who is the Greek, God, Greek mother, Artemis, who is she? She is the great goddess, the great mother of ancient cults. So she would be the leader. She's who people pray to. And Paul's saying, you shouldn't be involved in that. Shouldn't be involved in buying that stuff and selling that stuff. You shouldn't be a silversmith that's making idols. You should not, as a believer, as a follower of the way, find yourself in a business that's promoting sin. Do you know it's very similar to what our church covenant says? We have a church covenant. It's in the church constitution and bylaws. I want to read you a sentence here. Because it's very similar to that. It doesn't deal with idol worship. But listen to this. You know, it's whatever the issue is of the day. Back 2,000 years ago, the sin they were really dealing with was idol. Our idols today, I was thinking about this. This is our idols. Technology. Technology can cause us to worship this rather than the Lord. You don't even realize it. It's where all your attention and your focus is moved towards. But listen to this. If you're a member of this church, this is what you're supposed to do. You're agreeing by this. You're to abstain from the sale of and the use of illegal drugs, narcotics, and intoxicating beverages. To abstain from, and you're not, you're, you're choosing abstinence. Meaning you're making the choice, saying I'm not going to participate in these three things right here. And no, am I not going to participate in them? I'm not going to sell them. So you're saying I'm not going to sell illegal drugs, narcotics, and intoxicating beverages. Did you know that was in your church covenant? So what happened is, Paul comes along, and he's saying, all these people here are making silver that's supporting Artemis in idol worship. And he's preaching against it. If a lot of folks here were selling illegal drugs, 
intoxicating beverages and narcotics. And then Paul comes along and says, you shouldn't be in that business. You shouldn't be selling that stuff. And you should be abstaining from using that stuff. That's what our church bylaw constitution says in our church covenant. So if you're participating in that, you're actually breaking the church covenant here at our church and probably about every other Southern Baptist church here in America. Maybe not all of them, but a lot of them have that church covenant. That's been around a long time. And there's a reason for that is because when you're selling it and you're using it, you're allowing it to continue. So if you were a, you're in the silver making business 2,000 years ago and you got saved and you lived in Ephesus, you shouldn't be making idols. Say, so Daniel, that verse there talked about this temple here of Artemis. What was that temple? Take a look. Here's a current day picture of what it looks like. If you and I hopped on an airplane, I don't know if we could get there today, and we thought, why don't we go, and one day I'm going to lead this tour, we're going to go and look in Turkey, at all these different stops that Paul went to in all these different cities and these places all throughout Turkey and Asia Minor. We would go to Ephesians, Ephesus, and we would see this building here and think, well, that's a dump. That's just a bunch of ruins. Why, why is that important? That picture there is the temple that Paul was preaching against. Paul likely stood on those steps somewhere, and the Christians, it says, you should not be worshiping the goddess that that temple is devoted to. That temple is devoted to the goddess, goddess of Artemis. It's a false god. It's idol worship. And right now, these are the ruins of it. It's amazing that it's still there. That was one of the seven ancient wonders of the world. Now, I've got another picture of what it looked like. Chris, look at, look, look at this. If we could rewind 2,000 years ago, this is what that temple, that would have been the largest structure all through Asia, possibly in the whole world at that time. That is a huge building. That building... The steps, the incline, the prominence of it. There were idols in that building. People would go down there and they would bow down. They would worship something made of human hands. They would worship something made with silver and gold. And Paul is boldly in this city saying, don't do it. Don't participate in this. Listen, Lexingtonians. Don't get caught up in the gambling, the horse racing business. Don't get dubbed by alcohol. Don't fall for pornography. Don't find yourself getting sucked into the technology craze. You need to run from whatever is pulling you away from a holy lifestyle of honoring the Lord. Even your business should honor Jesus. How we spend our money, how we invest matters to the Lord.
If If you're making money off of sin, if you are involved in something that's actually helping other people distance and pull away from the Lord, God holds us accountable. That's why our church covenant says that. The Bible doesn't say alcohol is a sin. He says you as a believer, you just it's very wise for you to abstain from it. It's very wise for you to not sell narcotics and alcohol. If you have a store, don't sell it. The man, the woman who's struggling with alcoholism, they don't need to battle that temptation. And that's what Paul's saying. He's standing on these steps right here, saying, guys, this is false worship. You shouldn't be worried. This temple, yes, it's a great building. It's one of the ancient wonders of the world, but they're, they're worshiping a God that's not God. We worship the way, Jesus. We don't worship something made of human hands. Keep going here in your Bible. We are in verse 28. When they had heard this, they were all filled with rage. And they began to cry out, Great is Artemis of the Ephesians. So the whole city was filled with confusion. Is there confusion going on today? Every time you might turn on the news, it seems like there's just conflicting reports. I mean, you watch the news. News is reporting something. And you watch the president, and he says the news is fake news. And then you're thinking, okay, well, who do I believe? The fake news or the president? The president or fake news? Who's fake? Who's not? I mean, you see the, there's just cultural confusion everywhere. Just like what's happening here. A riot's about to break out. People don't, don't even know what's going on. And they, they run out and they start saying, Great is Artemis of the Ephesians. So the whole city was filled with confusion. And they all rushed together into the amphitheater. And they didn't go into the um, place there of worship. They went into the maybe the common, there in Ephesus, the amphitheater where um, that would be the common meeting hall. And it would seat thousands of people. Basically, it was just an arena that just had stairs. You would sit there and listen to folks talk and make do business. So they go into the amphitheater, dragging along Gaius and Archidus. These were Macedonians who were Paul's traveling companions. So these poor guys, they got sucked in this. They were probably believers, Gaius and Archelaus. They were from Macedonians. They were with Paul. And it says Paul wanted to go with them before all the people in verse 30. But the disciples did not let him go in because you had a mob. You had a riot going on. He realized, they realized, Paul, if you go in, if you go in that amphitheater, they'll kill you. And there's a lot of wisdom. Your brother and sisters in Christ, they can help you in your walk. They're, Paul listened to what they said. said, you're walking into a disaster if you go in there. These, these out-of-control mob. Out-of-control mobs what, is what crucified Jesus. Folks came, came there early that morning for the trial. Jesus' trial. They didn't even know 
the, the, the testimonies didn't even line up. Even Pilate recognized how, injustice it, how unjust it was. Verse 31. Even some of the provincial officials of Asia, who were his friends, sent word to him, pleading with him not to venture into the amphitheater. Paul was one of these guys. He was willing to go anywhere and share and to preach the gospel. Some were shouting one thing and some another. But because the assembly was in confusion, and most of them did not even know why they had come together. I love that. Most of them don't even realize they're part of a mob and they, they don't even know what they're doing. You, it's easy to get sucked into things. You might be watching this on Facebook right now and you're thinking, why am I even watching this? How did I get here? And I believe it's the Lord's allowing you to hear this message. Just like these people, they find themselves at the amphitheater. And, and they, don't even know if they're, they're not, they don't even know what they're doing there. And there's just total confusion. Verse 33. Some Jews in the crowd gave instructions to Alexander. After they pushed him into the front, motioning with his hand, Alexander wanted to make his defense to the people. So the Jews were very, very crafty and smart. They recognized that we need to take advantage of this and we can get rid of uh, Paul and his companions. But when they recognized that he was a Jew, see, remember, Jews would not worship Artemis either. So they didn't realize, okay, are the Jews behind this? Is Paul Jew or Gaius and um, uh, Aristocrat? Chris here, are, are they Jews? There was just such confusion, nobody knows. But when they looked at this guy named Alexander and recognized he was Jewish, he wasn't a believer, look what they did. They shouted in unison for about two hours, great is Artemis of the Ephesians. So they wanted, they thought maybe this guy Alexander is the problem. I mean, this is just a mob, total chaos. When the city clerk had calmed the crowd down, he said, people of Ephesus, what person is there who doesn't know that the city of the Ephesians is the temple guardian of the great Artemis and of the image that fell from heaven? They actually believe the image that they worship, the idol, came from heaven. That was the big temple. That was what the silver the idols they made, the home idols. Therefore, since these things are undeniable, you must keep calm and not do anything rash. For you have brought these men here who are not temple robbers or blasphemers of our goddess. So if Demetrius and the craftsmen who are with him have a case against anyone, the courts are in session. And there are proconsuls. Let them bring their charges against one another. But if you seek anything further, it must be decided in a legal assembly. Meaning, we can't kill people. Remember, we're under Roman rule. And Rome does not want a mob to break out in Ephesus. We just can't go along and start killing people at our own, um, our own will. Only the Roman, if if only Roman authorities have the uh, ability to do that. But if you seek anything further, it must be decided in legal assembly. In fact, we run a risk of being charged with rioting for what happened today, since there is no justification that we can, as a reason for, can give as a reason for this disturbance. And look at this. After saying this, he dismissed 
the assembly. So what happened here is Demetrius rounded up all the craftsmen against Paul and his companions. He got them a riot. He got them a mob. And Demetrius, he looked at his opportunity. He knew Timothy and Arrestus had gone on to Macedonia. So Paul didn't have his whole team with him. So he thought, now's my time to make a move against Paul. He rounds up the crowd and they start saying, hey, they're trying to take away Artemis. They're trying to cause us not to worship here anymore. And then what happened was the big mob breaks out in the amphitheater. And then these Jewish men, Alexander, they want to take seize the moment to get rid of Paul too. But once the crowd saw that, hey, they're Jewish, he says, we can't, um, we're not going to listen to anybody Jewish because we know Jews don't worship Artemis. They started chanting for two hours. Then the town clerk, who was lost, who was a Gentile, he thought, we're in trouble here. This is turning into a mob. And this is going on too long. We just can't start killing people because we don't like them. He rose up and said, guys, calm down. If you want... If nobody here has broken the law, we're in danger of breaking Roman law. We don't want this to reach Rome. Rome, we can't allow this meeting to get out of hand. And then there's consequences for us. So everybody calm down. We all support Artemis. It's just time to go home. And what happened here is this town clerk actually saved, in many ways, saved the church. An unusual person came along but here we are there's this fear about the temple and i have a scripture from book of ephesians ephesians chapter 2 verse 21 and 22 look here in your bibles it says in verse 21 because remember paul wrote ephesians because why he planted the church there in ephesus timothy was the young pastor paul spent a lot of time in Ephesus. He knew how prominent that city was. So he knew the buildings. He knew the great temple of the God of Artemis. It says in verse 21, In him, meaning in Christ, the whole building being put together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. Do you know why he wrote that? Because he knew those people understood what a temple was. Because they had the largest temple in all of Asia right there in their city. And they're saying, the temple that you think is so great, that you're so mighty, that people go there and worship and give their idol worship to, Jesus Christ is a temple. And it's even greater. And we worship the temple of Jesus. In Him, meaning in Christ, verse 22, you are also being built together for God's dwelling in the Spirit. God is building in your life. God is building in your home, in this church, a temple that's called the presence of God for you. Do you know the Bible says in the book of 1 Corinthians, what's powerful about 1 Corinthians 1 Corinthians was written while Paul was in Ephesus. He said to those church there in Corinth, and that's very likely where Timothy and Erastus took the first letter to. It was written there on third missionary journey. And he says, you are a temple of the Holy Spirit. That 
temple language is so important because he knew in Ephesus the people worshipped at this false temple of the god of Artemis. This Greek mother image of all the other gods. And they believe it fell from heaven. And Paul is trying to correct them and remind the believers there's someone better. He's building a temple inside of you and Jesus is building a temple and he's worthy of our worship. Artemis is a false god. Jesus is worthy of our worship. And we have to be able to say, what in our life, what temple have we allowed to creep into our life and become a false temple of, of the Lord. Do you know I have up here on the screen Paul's evangelism. Paul's evangelism. He goes into Ephesus and he's sharing the gospel. But look at the challenge he did. Do you know what evangelism is? It's sharing the good news. And Paul would typically go to secular places. He chose secular places. He wanted to go to capital cities, to cities of influence. He wanted to go to a place where the decisions were being made. Here in Kentucky, Lexington has a lot of influence. It's where the University of Kentucky is located. It's where many people come to for a job. They pass through our city and then they'll go to other places. People travel through here. Two major interstates run through our town. This is an SEC city, so constantly college students are coming here. It's a place of influence. Paul would choose a place such as Lexington because he knew there's constant stream of people and he can have an impact. And he wanted to be in a visible location. There's no better location, I believe, in the city than Broadway Baptist Church. I look out the windows right now tonight and I see car after car driving around. People who do not know Jesus. People who are lost. Paul chose a secular place like Lexington. Not only did he choose a secular place, Paul made reasoned presentations. What this means is when he go, went and preached the gospel, he would typically start from what they knew. He'd start in the local synagogue. He'd start from the Old Testament. In fact, when he was there in Athens, he looked at all their idols and he even found one to an unknown God. Then he declared in the Areopagus, which is their place of just kind of their amphitheater with folks going around giving out their opinion, he declared a God that they didn't even know. And he pointed them to the true God. So Paul was, he used reason in his preaching. He used reason and he used uh, polished presentation. And the guy was good. He was a very good communicator. Paul realized, if I'm going to have influence, I have to be very polished and very, be prepared to answer questions. That's why one of the reasons why he was so successful. He prayed and he asked for his presentation. Even like right now, we as a church, we can't gather in person. Here we are May 3rd still under quarantine. We aren't gathering in person, but we knew we need to get the gospel out, so we use the internet. Chris writes behind the camera right now. 
We're uploading this on Facebook so the gospel goes out. We invite that you share this. We invite that you uh, pass it along to others. You can't invite folks to church. How do you invite folks to church? You, you, uh, you share a, a Bible verse. You share a sermon. You, you're, you're putting out that content for folks that they know, hey, I, I need, they need the Lord. Not only do you make reasoned presentations, Paul also stayed extended periods. Meaning he didn't show up for a one-week revival. He spent two years here in Ephesus. He was there for a good while. He stayed extended amounts of time. If you're going to do gospel work, you're not going to be able to do it in a week or two. Discipleship, growing in the knowledge of God's word, requires time. And if you aren't willing to invest the time and the commitment in knowing the Lord and diving into this book, you will be a very shallow believer. Your ministry will be very shallow. This church will be very shallow. If I don't show up prepared, if I don't make a commitment to stay, if I'm just here for a few months, few years, it's a shallow ministry. Paul's saying, I'm going to be here. I'm planning my feet. We're going to see fruitful gospel ministry. Last thing I want to see here tonight. I got one more thing up here on the board. You know, the problem rose up. The mob came out of nowhere and it happened quickly. But God used that church or that town clerk, almost said church clerk, a town clerk, kind of like the city clerk today, Fayette County clerk. We should expect that God will provide deliverance. And he does. He delivers us. He will deliver us from the coronavirus. God delivered Paul. God delivered Gaius. And he delivered Aristus. Those were the two people that got called Paul's travel companions. They got rounded up in the amphitheater. They, they delivered them. How do they deliver them? Even if it's in the most unusual place. And the most unusual place was a secular amphitheater that the people were chanting to the false god of Artemis. And God used the town clerk to rise up and quiet everybody down and to be dismissed. God uses unlikely people. He raises them up for the purpose so that the gospel continues to advance and to flourish. God is sovereign. God is sovereign in your life. God is sovereign over the coronavirus right now. God provides for you. He will provide for this church. And we need to be aware in unlikely circumstances, the Lord will work and He continues to do that. Tonight, I'm going to lead us in a prayer. And this prayer here is the prayer of salvation. You might be watching this and you're in an unusual place. You've stumbled upon this. But God wants you saved. You have been worshiping idols. You've been worshiping and breaking God's law.
The idols, now I use the word idols. You've become addicted and you've just wasted your life with things such as this. And God's saying, he's delivering you. You've wasted your coronavirus time with TVs and movies. And God's saying, I want you. I want you to live for me. Paul was passionate about the gospel. He was willing to go in that amphitheater and preach the gospel. And the believers held him back because they knew he was going to die. That is a riot that's ready to kill. Do you, are you ready to give your life to Jesus? If you died right now, would you go to heaven? Are you saved? If you want to get saved right now, I'm going to invite you to pray along with me the sinner's prayer. You can trust in Jesus and make him the Lord of your life. Jesus wants you to know him. So I want you to hold your hands out. I want you to bow your head. And you repeat after me, dear Jesus, I'm a sinner. I'm tired of living for myself. From this day on, I'm yours. Save me of my sins. Forgive me. Wash me. Lord, restore my life. Set my feet on solid ground. Jesus, thank you for saving me. From this day on, I'm living for you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. The Bible says, He that calleth on the name of the Lord will be saved. You cry out, you call upon the name of the Lord. Do you know what God does? He saves you. If you pray that prayer, you send me a message. Just send me an email. Make a comment here. Say, I want to know more. Jesus wants his church to advance, and it is advancing even during this season of quarantine. And he wants people to turn from useless idols and turn to his son who's a savior. He saves us from that. Thank you for joining us tonight. I hope you're able to share this message on your Facebook page. I hope you're able to give. I hope you're able to uh, 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 be faithful in continuing to read God's word daily. We're going through, you say, where do I start? You start right here in the book of Acts. On Sunday nights, we're going through Acts Chapter 19 will be starting in Acts chapter 20 next Sunday night. Thank you for you and your family for joining us for this evening worship service. We'll see you next week.